There are only two real religions in all the whole world. There's the religion of self-effort, where I try to earn God's favor. And uh, it may have the name of Hinduism or Islam or Judaism or anything, but it's, uh, it's the religion of, of effort. I'm, I'm trying to impress God. I'm trying to please God, and I'm hoping that if I can do enough good things, religious things, obedient things, generous things, that someday when I die, God will uh, let me in to heaven and God will accept me because of what I've done for him. That's, that's one religious system. The only sad thing about that religious system is that it always leads to a discouragement or pride. If you think you've done enough then you become arrogant and prideful, judgmental of other people. If you're honest and you know you could never do enough, you become discouraged and defeated and hopeless. So that's one religious system. And the other religious system is the system of grace. It's the message that God accepts us because of his love and his sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And that we receive that as a gift. And it's nothing we could ever earn. We could never do enough to earn it. As a matter of fact, if we were going to earn it, we would have to be absolutely perfect. No sin at all at any time in our life. And of course, the Bible says all have sinned. And have fallen short of the glory of God. So the system of earning God's favor is doomed from the very beginning. It can never work. But here's the good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that God loves sinners. And that he has lived the life through Jesus that we could never live. The life we were supposed to live. And if we had lived that kind of life, we would go right straight to heaven. But the problem is we, we haven't and can't live that kind of life. But Jesus lived the life. The Bible says that he was without sin. That's amazing, isn't it? To know that Jesus lived. The Bible says he was tempted. He was tested in every way, just like we are, and yet without sin. So he lived the life that God required of us and that we fell short of. And then the Bible says that the wages of sin, the cost of sin, the penalty for sin is death. It's death. And so Jesus lived the life we should have lived but didn't live and couldn't live. And then he died the death that we should have died and then he rose from the dead. And then he offers to us now the gift of himself. He says, come to me. Come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you forgiveness. I will give you salvation. And how do we get that? We receive it as a gift. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that's why when we sing songs like Just As I Am, a song written by young Charlotte Elliott uh, 150 years ago, living a life of absolute sinfulness and despair, and an evangelist came to their town and sat down with her while she was actually in a sick bed, thinking she may not even live. And she said to him, I could never be good enough to please God. And he said, oh, Charlotte, that's true. But you don't have to be good enough to please God. You come to him with your sin, with your brokenness, and you come to him just as you are. And she did that night. She came to Jesus and trusted him. And then shortly after that, she wrote that very song that we just sang, Just As I Am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come. That's what the first half of almost all of Paul's letters are about. And the letter to the Galatians, the first half of that letter is emphasizing the fact that we can never earn our salvation. That salvation is a gift and that it is not through keeping the law. The law is perfect, but we're not perfect. And the law doesn't help us. The law condemns us. The law reveals to us our inability to please God. And then it brings us like a, a, a tutor, like a, 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 a guide, brings us to the cross and says, Jesus is enough. Come to him and be saved. And if you're a Christian today, that's how you became a Christian. You came to a place of absolute desperation in your own life, realizing you were a sinner, and knowing that you deserved judgment and even death for your sin, but then believing that Jesus died for you and rose again. And you trusted him. You called on him. You said, Lord Jesus, I trust you. Save me. Cleanse me. Make me yours. A prayer like that. At least that was the cry of your heart. You may not have said those words, but in your heart you trusted him. And you were instantly and eternally forgiven and made his. That's the first half of all of Paul's letters. Just showing us Jesus as sufficient every way to cleanse us. And then after we become a Christian, the second half of all of Paul's letters is how does this work out in my life? Now that I've trusted Jesus, now that I am a Christian... How do I live the Christian life? Or how does Jesus live his life through me? What does it look like? And, and what it looks like is a life that brings glory to God, confident trust in Jesus for everything we do, joy to me, and then building up or edifying, strengthening other believers as we worship together. That's what the Christian life looks like. And so in Galatians chapter 6, 
I know you're wondering, are we going somewhere with this? Yeah, we are. We've got there now. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. Paul brings all of this into a real practical way of how we work together in the body of Christ. And here's the thing about it, see. When, uh, when I am a Christian and Brother John is a Christian and Brother Second John is a Christian, Brother Third John is a Christian, uh, and, and Brother Jim is a Christian. Sorry, got, couldn't get another John in there. Uh, that means that we're brothers because we all have the same Father. We've all been born of the same Spirit, and we are all in the same family. And so that means that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we join together to help one another. On the table out in the hallway, I told you last week I was going to bring you a list of the one another's in the New Testament. This may not be all of them, but it's many of them. And if you'll take that list home with you, it just tells you what your responsibility is to one another. It's just amazing. It's two, two pages of one another's. Be kindly affectioned to one another. Prefer one another. Edify one another. Receive one another. And I'll read them all because you want to take them home with you. But the emphasis of it is, as Christians, we have not just a responsibility to God... We have responsibility to each other. And that's the glory of the New Testament church, local church, assembled together where we can know one another and pray for one another and encourage one another and even rebuke one another. We need that sometimes, don't we? And where we can stir one another up to love and good works. So, in this passage, I'm going to read the first five verses. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness and keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Now, that was last Sunday's message was on that verse. By the way, one thing I didn't mention, that word caught doesn't mean that People catch you and say, I saw what you did. I caught you. No, the word there for caught means a person who is trapped, a person who actually falls into a trap. So he's saying if any fellow Christian gets caught in some sin, our responsibility to that brother is not to stomp him, not to gossip about him, not to even uh, uh, fuss at him, but it's to immediately seek to restore that brother in any way and every way that we can. So that was last Sunday's sermon. If you didn't hear that, you might want to listen to it because that's an important thing. But then he goes on and he says in verse 2, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then verse 3 says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. He's just tricking himself. 
But let everyone test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Now that sounds a little contradictory. That is verse 2 said, bear one another's burdens. And then verse 5 says, for each man will bear his own burden is the way the King James has it. But it's actually two different words in the Greek. One word, the first word for bear one another's burdens, it's the the word for an additional burden. You know, in life, all of us have a load to bear, don't we? Boy, in our Sunday school class today, we were just talking about everybody that I know has some responsibilities to carry, some pain that they're dealing with, some heaviness that they're carrying in their life. Now, if you say, well, I don't, well... Congratulations, and wait a few minutes, and you'll have some before long, because that's just part of the of life, isn't it? So, but, and that that's actually what he's talking about down in verse five. But in this verse, all of us from time to time have an additional burden that comes on us. A heavy load that we weren't expecting, and it's not part of our daily life. It's not part of our daily responsibility. It's some new thing that happens to us along the way. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many would say, in the last two years, I've had some kind of an additional burden, something that is quite different from just the ordinary run of my daily Christian life? How many would say, I've had, oh yeah. Okay, that's just about everybody, isn't it? Yeah. And that happens from time to time. And when that happens, when uh, Brother Raynard gets some kind of special burden on him that is heavier than the normal load that he bears, the Bible says my responsibility is to help him carry that load. That's what we're supposed to be doing in the church. Now, now here's a problem. Sometimes we don't know. We don't know when somebody has an extra burden, do we? That's part of the reason that we have small groups, like in Sunday school, and uh, places where we can get to know one another better and where we can be honest about any additional burden that has come on us in our life. And then there's nothing wrong with asking for some help. Can, can you help me? But then when that does happen, there should be an immediate response from the body of Christ that says, we want to help you carry that load. Now, what happens when nobody shows up to help? What happens to you if, if you're carrying a burden? It's an additional burden, an extra burden. Sometimes people say, you know, well, the Lord will not put more on you than you can bear. That's really not true. I'm not trying to be a heretic here. But there are two things about a statement like that. Burdens that come on us 
even under the Lord's sovereignty and providence, are not, we're not meant to bear those extra burdens by ourselves. Now, number one, the Lord himself will give us strength. But secondly, the fellowship of other believers is supposed to rush to our aid and help us in those times. That's the reason that in a church fellowship, if a family's house burns, it's the church's responsibility to joyfully help in that situation. Or if there is some kind of critical, unexpected, and out-of-the-ordinary burden that comes, you should let, at least let your pastor know, and then he'll blab it to somebody else. And aid should come. So that's our responsibility to bear one another's burdens. And this is the way, the Bible says, that we fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? You see, this whole letter, he's been talking about, we're not saved by the law, we're not saved by the law. But there is a law, and it's the law of Christ. The night before Jesus was arrested, he gathered with his disciples, and he said to them, I'm giving you a new commandment. A new commandment. And they listened attentively. Well, what is it? He said that you love one another. They said, oh, we've heard that. That's not a new command. He said, oh, wait a minute, I didn't get finished. That you love one another the same way that I have loved you. That's the, that's the law of Christ. And if I see my brother or sister suffering, carrying an unexpected load, and I just shrug my shoulders and not help, I'm not fulfilling the law of Christ because Jesus came and loved us under our load of condemning sin and he bore it for us. So we should bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And then the next thing that he mentions here in verse 3 is that we have to walk in a sense of genuine humility knowing that we are not better than other people. In the book of James, James talks about a church that's gathered together and one man comes in and he's poor and dressed in ragged clothes and the ushers meet him at the door and they say, you sit back over here in the corner back out of the way where people won't see you. And then a man comes in with fine dressed up apparel and he's got diamond rings on his hand and he's a sharp looking guy and the usher say to him oh you come up here and sit on the front row you come up here and sit where the special people sit on the front row with my wife and my son all right that's the special folks they had no special folks over here are they that, that rose in <clears throat> so uh and James condemns the church for that. He says, my brother, it ought not to be that way. 
because everybody in the church has the same value, the same uh, 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 purpose, the same value, uh, value, that'll do, (laughs) worth as as ever, huh? Equal, equal, equal. everybody, everybody is equal in value to the Lord. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, Pastor, I just, I I can't do anything, you know, I, I don't have any special gifts, I don't have any talents, I can't teach, I can't sing, uh, I said, then why do you reckon God saved you and put you in the church? If you're totally worthless and useless, what are you doing here? Well, the truth is you're not worthless and useless. Every member has a gift. The Bible says that the Spirit of God gives to every member spiritual giftings according to his own determination. And you are valuable. You are needed Now, if a man thinks he's more important than other people, he's just deceived. He has deceived himself because no member in the church is more important than any other member in the church. Somebody asks you, you know, well, would you rather lose your eyesight or your hearing or your ability to talk? I'd say, neither. I'd just rather stay like I am. I don't want to lose any of that. And to even lose a finger, one of the men that comes to the breakfast, I cook a breakfast for a group of men on Wednesday mornings down in Ovilla, and uh, one of the men cut one of his fingers off a few weeks ago, just cut it off right there just above that first knuckle. And uh, it took him several months for it to heal. And I asked him last week, well, how are things going, Tommy? He said, well, I really miss my finger. He said, I know some people might think, well, you've still got a stub there. But he said, you just don't realize how many things you do that requires a real finger there and not just a half a finger. And I thought, boy, that is so true in the body of Christ. The body needs every member and every member to be functioning. So he talks about how important it is to have humility, but also to have a sense of knowing that every member is valuable. If if every member in the church functioned as efficiently as you function in the body of Christ what would the what would the church be like what would it be like and here's the thing God has saved you and he's placed you in this body to be a part a useful vital part of Bear Creek Baptist Church. You believe that? Everybody believe that? Okay, yeah. And you have a gift. You have a purpose. And you're needed. Don't think you're 
more important than anybody else, but know that you are as important as everybody else. And then he says, but let each one test, put into work his own work, and then his reason to boast or his reason to feel good about himself will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. In other words, I'm not in competition with anybody, and I'm not in comparison with anybody. I'm not looking at myself and looking at somebody else and say, well, I'm more important than they are, but I'm also looking at, I'm not looking at other people and saying <clears throat> they're more important than I am. I'm to do my own work. I'm to test my own work, and then I'll be able to rejoice and give God the praise and say, uh, I can rejoice in what he's doing in me and through me and not in another person. And then he says, each one of us will have to bear his own load. So there are some responsibilities that I have that you're not responsible for. There are some responsibilities that you have that God, as you live your Christian life, that's just your responsibility. I'm not supposed to take care of those. I'm supposed to pray for you and encourage you, but you have a load that's been given to you that you carry yourself. And so you carry your load. And by the way, this the Greek word here is the word for a soldier's pack. It's the pack that every soldier would carry. But then if there was an additional burden that came on a soldier, then other soldiers rushed to help him carry that. That's the, the idea of the second verse. And so... We are soldiers in the, in the army of God, and we all have a pack to carry. We have responsibilities to fulfill. And we don't, we might encourage one another with those, but we have to run our own race. Nobody runs it for us. And we have to carry our own pack. Nobody carries it for us. But, there are times when we have to come and help somebody with an additional burden of some kind. So his, his focus here is the importance of working together, the importance of fulfilling our own responsibilities, but then helping one another when additional burdens come. And I just want to ask you today, you know, I think as, as we close our service today, I'd like for us to pray for one another. And if, if you are carrying an extra heavy load right now, not just the ordinary pack that, you, that every Christian carries, I just wonder, would you be willing to come and let us pray with you and pray for you today? You might say, uh, Pastor, I know that you don't even know about this, but I've had a severe trial this last week. I know Brother Joe... And Maxine have faced the Brother Joe's uh, sister passed away just this last week. And that's an extra burden, isn't it, Brother Joe? And uh, that's not just the regular pack. That's not the, the pack that he carries all the time. That's an extra burden. And my responsibility as a brother in Christ was to pray with him, pray for him as he faced this, 
this extra burden. And maybe, uh, maybe you're facing some kind of an extra burden today. And when we sing our invitation hymn today, I'd like to invite you to come. Just come and let's just pray together for one another here at the front. If you're carrying an extra heavy load right now and you're able to come and just kneel here at the altar, would you come and, and let us pray together and pray for one another? We're going to sing wherever he leads, I'll go. And is that, is that right? Wherever he leads, I'll go. And one of the places he leads is for us to bear one another's burdens. So I want to pray, and then we're going to stand and sing. And if you'd like to just come and, and let us pray, we'll pray together, uh, and we'll pray for you as we stand together. Heavenly Father, I ask you to uh, help us fulfill the law of Christ. And I know that in our, our culture, we're so independent. We're so uh, self-focused many times. And we're so arrogant to think, I can handle it. I can take care of it. And thus we rob other people of the blessing of helping carry our burden. And then we rob ourselves of the strength that you've provided and the help that you've provided. And I ask you now to help us be sensitive to your spirit, responsive to your call. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We invite you to like us on Facebook or visit our website, www.bearcreekbaptist.org. If you're not a member of another church, We would like to invite you to join us in person and get to know us and let us get to know you. Have a great week and may the Lord richly bless you.